Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Happy Labor Day to everybody. I pulled into the parking lot today. There was no cars. Didn't realize it was Labor Day because we work on Labor Day because we cover USC football. And that's, so that's what we got to do. We got a zillion questions from all of you, and we do appreciate all the uh, insights and questions you have sent in. We're going to try to get to them all with Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. So we've got a really big show for you today. We're actually going to talk about some, uh, some of the betting odds and betting lines for Sam Darnold and the Heisman and, uh, USC making the playoff and all that kind of stuff. So we'll do that at the end of the show. We got a special segment for that. If you have any questions for us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Try to keep them brief if you can, because we got so many. Uh, keep them consolidated. That'd be awesome. You can text us or call us. Our, our line, our voicemail and text line is 424. 424- 254-9141. That's 424-254-9141. Again, try to keep those brief under a minute because we just can't play them all. We got a bunch today. Coach Harvey High is very popular, apparently. Uh, so a lot of people come calling and writing in questions for the coach. So we're going to just try to jump right into it. What is up, coach? How you doing? Everything's great, buddy. It's a Monday, a couple exciting football games here in Southern California, anyway, in the Coliseum on Saturday, and I was over at the Rose Bowl last night, and that was something special, too. So uh, it just proves to everyone, don't leave the game early. Don't leave the, girl, <laughs> the, the game early, believe me, or the dance early, uh, because uh, it's been exciting this weekend and a lot of great games throughout the country. But in Southern California, everybody got their money's worth. For sure. The, uh, yeah, the, the Rose Bowl. I was wondering how many, what percentage of the fans actually stayed till the end, uh, when UCLA pulled out the 45-44 win. I don't know if you were still there, coach, but, uh, it seemed like, you know, everyone wasn't quite there. No, people were leaving. Uh, I hate to say this at halftime, uh, a lot of negative talk in the press box about, uh, future, you know what? And, uh, people weren't happy. People weren't happy because uh, they just didn't look good. And uh, UCLA just didn't look good, couldn't do anything right. Couldn't run the football, couldn't pass the football. They were down big. And then at the end of the third quarter, what was it, 44-17, to 17, didn't look good. People were saying good night. And then all of a sudden uh, the lights turned on. And yeah. I don't know if they just got better or Texas A&M just gave, uh, let up. But it doesn't make any difference because the final score favored UCLA. And I was really happy for the Pac-12. The Pac-12 didn't lose a football game this weekend. They uh, won all their games. And, of course, this game that uh, UCLA won was great for the Pac-12 because it was on a, a network. People could see the game. And it went across the country. It was a featured game against the Southeastern Conference team. I think it brought a lot of credibility to Pac-12. Yeah, for sure. Um, that was a crazy one. Last two games in the Rose Bowl, pretty crazy. We'll see what comes up next in that stadium. I uh, want to thank uh, Harvey Hyde's sponsor, Southern California Tickets. SCTickets.com is the website. Or you can give them a call at 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for some of the upcoming football games. You know, USC's playing Stanford, followed by Texas. You want tickets for those, go to SCTickets.com. And they will help you out or call them, like I said, 1-800-888-7287. You can get theater tickets or for a play or anything like that, too. But we're in the, you know, it's college football time. So you probably are looking for USC football tickets or maybe college football tickets anywhere. And you go to SETickets.com and they'll help you out. All right, uh, Coach, okay, we have, I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot of questions. I know you have a lot of thoughts, too. I think the questions will touch on all of them. Um, so we'll try, maybe we'll try to go through them. A little faster? I don't know. We'll, we'll do what we can. We're, we might not get to them all. I apologize for that. But I think we're going to talk on talk about most of the topics that the listeners are inter- interested in, you're interested in, I'm interested in. So uh, I guess we'll just start that way. That sound good? Any way you want to do it. Yeah. It's uh, So, it's, you know, it's the first game recap show, and you kind of forget, like, 
man, we always get a lot of questions after these things. Um, this is from GE. This is more of a statement. He said, I would like to, uh, I'd like you to please mention the work of the LAPD, Coliseum Security, Trojan Family, and the EMTs. There was a large number of fans overcome by the heat, and sadly, I was one of them. Everyone I dealt with uh, went above and beyond to make sure I was cared for quickly and with compassion. It was hotter than any game I've ever been to in the last 40 years, and I was glad to be able to make it home. Tired and alive, thanks to their work. Uh, that ice never felt so good. Uh, fight on. I'll be listening as always. Ryan, thank you again. Beat the farm. That's from GE. That's great. I'll tell you, uh, you do get uh, great assistance. And, you know, it's uh, just like the players. you got to hydrate up before you go in, too. And uh, wear a hat if you can when it's warm. And if you feel like the heat is getting too much to you, get a cold towel. Go yourself. Do it. Put ice or buy a Coke and say you just want ice and uh, put it on the back of your neck and you got to make sure you stay cool down. If it's starting to get it to you, getting to get to you, then you got to, you got to split. I always suggest to people if you have some Gatorade and things like that before hydrate up because it's hot and, uh, it can really take a toll on you. So don't let that happen to you again. Yeah. Or for all of you that are listening, don't let it. I mean, I do it. Brian, Ryan, I don't know if you do it, but I do it. And, uh, you still feel, feel a little faint after being in the sun that long. Yeah. It was a long, long time to be out there. So I'm glad you're okay, GE, and to everyone that was, uh, overcome. It's kind of like the Purdue game in, uh, 98 or 99, whatever that was. I think it was 98. Um, right. I mean, there was like band members like passing out and stuff and getting fluids. And so, uh, yeah, I'm glad, glad, uh, all the emergency service staff, uh, handled it well. Um, okay. So some of the questions we get, We'll get paragraphs, pages worth of stuff. So if you want to do that, just if you, if you're writing a question, it's writing more than a paragraph, go to the uscfootball.com message board. That's the place for that. We need like more consolidated stuff. Jesse, our buddy Jesse Rodriguez, who's a, a retired sergeant in the U.S. Army, um, he wrote pages and pages. And uh, I think he went to the message board, but he, he wrote back and, uh, consolidated a little bit. So I'll read what he has to say and then, uh, get your thoughts, coach. He said, I was able to watch the first game in great detail. Few observations. I'd like Coach Harvey Hyde to comment on them. First thing, it was very apparent in this game that Coach Helton must understand that you need to run, block, tackle, and practice. With the exception of the first offensive-defensive drives, Western Michigan was unbelievably better and ready to play football uh, in a full collision contact sport. Second thing is the trenches. I know it's the first game, but we really didn't know... Uh, how your new starters are going to play. The offensive line looked very good when run blocking and average on pass, uh, passing downs early. Seems as if the game went on and the Western Michigan defense tired. The offensive line dominated more. Their defensive line was totally overmatched early and often. And the third thing, what's up with the wide receivers? The start of the seniors and once again, uh, over the, after the first drive, they played poorly, dropped, uh, catches and very little separation. Why not give the talented freshmen uh, time to play more? Yes, they're going to make mistakes, but it's a great test for these youngsters. And lastly, I'm glad we finally were able to pull away in the fourth quarter. I will not dismiss uh, Western Michigan. Uh, they might just be a heck of a team to beat. I still feel we should be more dominant on both sides. Looking forward to next week and a great matchup against Stanford. Uh, like always, fight on from the great uh, Northwest in Seattle. And that's Jesse, a uh, retired uh, sergeant in the Army. <laughs> wow, Jesse. Yeah, so that's the kind of question we're getting, Coach. I don't know that's where to one. start. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, you, why don't you remind me of one of the two of the things he asked, and, and then uh, I'll get into okay, it. Okay, so running, blocking, tackling, and practice. Thoughts? Yeah, you know, uh, I mentioned that. I thought the Trojans, uh, I was going to talk about that. I thought that, and, and I do a post-game show, so I, I talked about that on KDWN Radio. That's AM 720 on your dial it comes on every saturday at 9 30 p.m if you're up there in seattle you can hear it but uh i mentioned i thought the tackle the tackling of the trojans was uh, was horrible in fact on some plays uh they they didn't look like they had any drills at all uh, i was very disappointed in the play of port augustine on that uh trick play i mean i mean the ball all you need to do is knock the ball down and catch the ball he he went up in the air and i wasn't quite sure what he was doing i mean really uh, show a little athletic ability. I mean, that, that allowed a touchdown. Not that he didn't have to play covered, but just don't go out there and, and, and do that. I don't think that shows your athletic skills at all. And I don't mean to point this out to who it was, but you, everybody knows who it was. But as far as tackling, 
uh, they they tackled poorly in the uh, open field. Uh, the linebackers weren't able to scrape right. They were getting out of their uh, path because the push of the uh, Western Michigan line drove the linemen back so far with no penetration whatsoever. Linebackers couldn't get into play. And 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 you know I don't want to get into the techniques too much now, but but you got to have more respect for your opponent. I mean, on the defensive side of the football. I mean, here you are playing a power team that lines up like Stanford or San Diego State or Michigan, and you're playing them with two down linemen? Are you kidding me? I mean, they they were trying to blitz their backers to get penetration, and if they didn't get through, which they didn't, the back would just break outside, and there's nobody out there to make a tackle. Because the defensive linebackers were closing down for some reason really tight, and the back would just break it out run for as many yards as they wanted to run for. So I think you have to have more respect for your opponent. You can't dominate with two defensive linemen. And if you follow me at Coach RVI, Ryan, if you were following me, I was saying that the entire game. Get in another defensive lineman. Get in three down guys at least. Or against Stanford, you might have to play four down guys. I mean, you can't play a power offensive team like that that dominates 30-some minutes of the game and holds the football from you where you can't get the ball back. And they just dominated that. And nothing against, uh, you know, any of the athletes. I'm just saying the schemes of what you're trying to do doesn't work. This team has a lot of confidence and had two great running backs, as everybody saw. And you can't you can't play it that way. You just can't play it that way. And I thought the secondary guys, a really couple of them looked uh, uh, not – up to par as far as looking athletic and making athletic plays. And my thought was the whole game, make them pass to beat you. Because when they threw the ball, that's when all good things happen for USC. But no, they let them run the football. And I I just couldn't see the philosophy in that, okay? And I'm not saying they're hiding what they're going to do from Stanford. I never saw them work on that much the whole small. So I don't know if they can get ready in one week for Stanford's power offense. But if I was David Shaw, I'd look at that and say, "You got to be kidding me." Um, you kind of, okay. So you hit on a couple of other people's questions. Um, I don't want to bounce around, but like Tarek wanted to know about using um, three defensive linemen. SC Powerhound, um, you know, they used a lot of nickel. Why, you know, why don't they go with more three de- defensive linemen? Um, same thing with Rex in Georgia. So we. We kind of knocked off a bunch of those. Um, and so that's good. So yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's one of the things. And we actually chart all the plays. Um, shotgun and I was doing it during the game and shotgun will go back and review it and we'll kind of give you the percentages. Um, but they were in nickel quite a bit. Uh, despite you know, it was more about the personnel, like the Western Michigan would put in three wide receivers and USC would be in a nickel, even though they were running, you know, 90% of the time. So. Uh, that, that's one of the common themes, I guess you could say, coach, that people want to know about, like, why are they not having three down defensive linemen? Well, that's exactly right. That's game planning. They know what you do when you get in a certain formation. They say, oh, they're going to be in a nickel. That's perfect. Now we just run the football. Was what they were doing is spreading out your defense. So why not take those players away from where the ball's going? And, uh, if you chart it, you'll see in the fourth quarter, they went more with three down linemen where they started to have a little bit of success. But uh, I was just very disappointed. And, again, you heard me say after the scrimmage, if you remember, when they didn't scrimmage the defense at all, that defense hadn't had real intensity live action for two weeks. So your timing is off and everything. Remember, I even mentioned that in one of our podcasts. I said, how can you do that? And and believe me, I'm giving you my opinion as a coach because uh, Clay Helton and I go back and forth, and he was at an event. Ryan, you were at that event, and I even said that when I introduced him. I said, you know, we go back and forth, and and uh, I have to cover him, but I think he's the greatest guy in the world. But some of these things, I just wonder what they're trying to do. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think the for back to Jesse's thing, we talked about the – uh, trenches a little bit. I think the, um, you know, tackling and practice. Third part was the separation of the wide receivers. It did, you know, I saw the same sort of thing where it looked like, uh, Deontay Burnett got separation and nobody else, uh, really was. 
No, you're exactly right. And we've discussed this. We've discussed you're not at an intramural program or a recreation program. You've got to decide who your receivers are. You've had spring practice. You've had fall camp. I've said you've got to take five guys, maybe six, five guys. You've got to say, these are the guys. These, these three receivers start. And uh, Sam Darnold has the opportunity of getting to know them like he knew the receivers from last year and the tight ends. And uh, you start uh, becoming a unit. And the only way you really lose somebody is to give somebody a rest for one play or two plays or uh, someone gets injured. But you can't play everybody. You just can't play everybody. Finally, when it came down to it, he went to the guy he knew the most, and that's Dante Burnett. And they had success. They moved down the field. And and then for one play, uh, the tight end came in, 88, and he made a nice play and ran for 12 yards. And one pass to the flat. I couldn't figure that out. The angel line, it was about a two-yard out. And I don't know how many yards they need. I, I couldn't understand that. But, you know, it just, you can't do that. They've got to become a unit. They've got to, and no matter, let me just throw this in. No matter who your receivers are, you better pass block a little bit. And we can talk about that. I'm sure someone asked that question too. But you can't have him running around the whole day. And uh, when you have success at running the football, Ryan, run the football. Why do you stop running the football? Because someone thinks you should pass it. And uh, when he keeps the ball occasionally, you saw he scored a, a touchdown. Keep him honest. Once in a while, he's going to have to run it when you have a run back, one set uh, running back. Because he's a second running back. But uh, we'll get into that a lot. I know there's questions. I don't mean to wander, but you get me going, and I can't stop. <laughs> it's okay. hard. It is hard, uh, Coach. His, yeah. His last point was about the fourth quarter, and we have Earl in West L.A., too, that wrote about it. I'll read you what he had to say. I'm sure you you all get a lot of negative comments about our performance against WMU. We have a lot of things to fix this week from the receivers, the defensive line, stupid penalties. I don't see any reason why they can't be fixed. The impressive part to me was we found a way to win by dominating the fourth quarter once again, scoring 28 points. We played like crap for much of the three quarters and still put up 49 points on a good football team. What are your thoughts? So, yeah, I mean, fourth quarter, pretty good. Uh, Earl in West L.A., coach. Right. I tell you, I was impressed the way they started off and who I was watching the game with. Uh, three, three plays, they scored touchdown, three or four plays, one minute. 14 minutes ago in the first court, 7 nothing USC. I was sitting next to this guy, and I looked over to him, and I said, that was too easy. It's not good. Sometimes when you score that easily, you say, oh, these guys aren't anybody. And you start to let up. You don't have the same intensity that you normally should have. Now, I'm not saying that's the case, but I'm saying sometimes that happens. Fourth quarter-wise, when it came down to it and the momentum, and, and I think uh, – you could see it with the team and the player, the fear of losing. They got after it a little bit more. They made big plays. Western Michigan started throwing the football, which they can't do, and that caused big plays And for the interception, for a touchdown, and the momentum started going, and all of a sudden the Trojans were back in the football game. But it goes back to uh, what I said at the beginning of the game. you got to be ready to play at the beginning of the game, which they scored, but I mean it. Don't underestimate your opponent by not game planning what you're playing. Because you really can't use that defense against Stanford. So how much practice did you get as far as facing that type of team? But Stanford's a complete different team. Complete. They do the same thing, except they got three tight ends in the game and a guy that can throw the football. So it's going to be a difficult situation for the defense. I'm disappointed in the defensive performance, 100%. Uh, you know, offensively, you know, we can tweak that a little bit with receivers. I mean, we'll get into that, too. But when I watch him in that goal line defense, when it was like third down and two or one, I've never seen the whole goal line defense got pushed into the end zone. No submarining. Nobody trying to go underneath the offensive lineman. Nobody. They just shot shoved. I saw four five yards deep for two five yards deep in the end zone. I mean, how can that happen? Uh, so these are the things you got to correct. And, and if you get a film and you rewatch the game, watch it. See if I'm, you know, I'm not saying anything that coaches aren't seeing on film. Uh, how can that happen? I, I don't know. Let's, uh, 
Let's go to a voicemail question, Coach. Uh, I'll play this first one for you. Here you go. Hello, Ryan. Coach Hyde. This is Don Archie from Upland, California. My comments on this game against Western Michigan are going to be very harsh as far as USC is concerned. They didn't come close to playing like they were a fourth-ranked team. Maybe they let the fourth-place ranking get into their heads. The run defense was pathetic. What happened to playing on the offensive side of the ball? That was Coach Pendergraft's defensive concept when he came back to USC. Instead, USC's defensive line played like they were wearing roller skates. No penetration, having been blown off the line of scrimmage, players out of position, and a lot of arm tackling. I tell you what, we have Stanford coming up next. And if the defense plays like they did in the Western Michigan game, USC is going to get blown out. I'll tell you, I was very disappointed in the defense's inability to stop the run. I can just see Stanford's offensive line salivating as they watch the USC-Western Michigan game film. Don Autry, if this is the Don Autry that played at Blair High School, what a great athlete he was. I, I think he went to Kansas, great athlete at Blair High School back. I believe they won the CIF championship. But, Don, thanks for calling in. Don, dittos on everything you said. No penetration whatsoever, no domination. Uh, Rashid Green, uh, I don't know. He probably made some tackles in there. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't have a tackle chart to see how, who got tackles or whatever. But, uh, no, no penetration whatsoever. Uh, outside linebacker play, I, I, I question. I mean, the way they were trying to defensive if you watch the, whatever they call that, Predator, whatever that defensive end is called, uh, that Port Augustine plays, I mean, every time he was closing in the inside, right down when the tackle went away, float away on their, on their, uh, blocks, uh, he would just close down behind him, the back would come down, break outside, and they had nobody out there to contain whatsoever. I, I don't know how they were planning the secondary, I guess, or somebody to come up and make that play. I mean, of course, I'd like someone to explain it to me. I'm sure someone had the the assignment, probably a linebacker who's supposed to scrape around there. But, yeah, no penetration whatsoever. Disappointing as far as the, the height that the defense got. Uh, but I think it was more than the individual efforts, okay? I think it was more than the schemes that were used. I mean, I mean... <laughs> Two defensive linemen against a power type of offensive football team. I mean, uh, and your linebackers, if you watch your linebackers, they were four yards deep, three to four yards deep. I mean, golly, I mean, they, <laughs> I, I don't know how they expect uh, them to, uh, to make the tackle without a no gainer or a loss or whatever. So uh, I think different schemes are, are good for different type of teams, but uh, the defense that Pendergast used was for a spread, spread type of team, and this is not a spread type of team. And I think that hurt them more than the individual efforts of a lot of the players, yet they did didn't play a good game as far as open field tackling and, and some of the coverages and so on that went on. And one thing, too, and I don't know if anybody's going to ask this question, but penalties, you can't beat yourself, stupid penalties. Nine penalties for 94 yards, are you kidding me? Ball control time, 34 minutes to 25 minutes. I mean, they just took the game right out of the offensive hands, and the offense, when they went in, was somewhat panicked. They, they were afraid they might not get back on the field. But, Don, good question, buddy. Yeah, good question, Don. Thanks for that. Um, let's see. So this one's a little long, but it's uh, our buddy Mark in Crown City, who actually got to meet, uh, you know, talk to in person a little bit at the uh, Pasadena Quarterbacks Club. So he came by and said hello. So for people who don't know Crown City, that's, you know, Pasadena, where Harvey Hyde is the mayor. But uh, he said, finally, we have a football season. Saturday's win against a worthy opponent was a shot to the chin the Trojans needed to set up a successful season. Uh, Coach Helton's man- mantra expressed at the Pasadena Quarterbacks Club meeting on Friday that he is always a glass half full kind of guy is vital to translating the learnings from Saturday's game to improvements uh, in advance of the Stanford showdown this coming Saturday. 
Uh, the question is about Porter Gustin, much hyped gym rat and Utah mountain man capable of playing. At, is he capable of playing at the level necessary to contribute this year to a successful season? Last year, coach referenced on a number of occasions that number 45 lacked the flexibility and lateral speed necessary to maintain the edge on his side of the field. From my observation, Saturday seemed not only to continue to fail in holding the edge, but uh, digressed in his performance. Uh, from his vantage point, Porter tended to chase the fake uh, and the ball and ball rush with his head down and routinely got caught untouched and running up significant yards per carry on the outside. Um, his ill-fated interception attempt on the, the trick play in the second half resulted in a Broncos score. Vis- vis- excuse me, visibly illustrated his poor technique and undisciplined performance. Man, Mark's pretty tough. Uh, the Trojans deserve better for a seasoned veteran. Uh, Coach Hyde's analysis of Porter's performance and areas to improve is greatly appreciated. Thanks, everyone, at uscfootball.com for your work. Looking forward to a great 2017 season. Mark in Crown City. Well, Mark, I think you went to the same game I did. Uh, we sort of hit on some of those things earlier, and it's, uh, some of it is uh, due to athletic performance as far as adjusting and making plays. Remember, big players make plays. If you're a preseason All-American, you can make some plays. You 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 got to be jumping out of the screen at us. Wow, woo, woo. Well, I didn't I didn't see that. And again, I've got to give him the benefit of the doubt on the techniques he was taught in the scheme to play. Uh, I'm sure that he was keeping his shoulders square and moving down the line of scrimmage because someone must have told him to do that. But never did he ever break back to the outside. He continued to go down and not keep his head up, as Mark said, and come back and try to make a play when the back ran towards the line of scrimmage and broke it back and went off tackle and went down the field 15, 20 yards or whatever it might have been. Uh, you've got to be able to make big plays if you're a big-time player. And big-time players are, are guys that are leaders and guys that, you know, get the preseason hype that he had. He missed spring practice and, you know, we've talked about, you know, Port Augustine. I think he's a great kid and this and that, you know, muscle man and, you know, rolled up jerseys and, and, you know, all of that stuff, which he didn't have, but a couple other players had that I'm not going to mention in the game. I think uniform is very important that everybody's one team and you all wear a uniform the same way. You don't have T-shirts hanging out and you don't have somebody rolling up there thinking he's Elliot from uh, Dallas rolling his shirt up under his jersey. I think you got to look like a team to play like a team. Not that that made a difference in the game, but little things make a difference. I want to say one thing. Didn't the shoes and socks look great? Everybody was in black uh, shoes. Everybody was in white socks. Pants were great. The jerseys, the helmets. Now you got to keep it that way where you look like, hey, that was USC on the field. I knew who was playing. But I have to agree with you, Mark, on all the things you said. The preseason hype certainly didn't show there as a preseason All-American. Let's uh, go to another voicemail question, Coach. Here you go. Hello, Ryan. Coach Hyde. I haven't talked to you guys in a long time. Enjoyed the game Saturday. Uh, we've got a few rough spots, but I'm sure we'll work it out. Uh, these are the two best running backs I've seen at USC since Reggie Bush. Um, one thing I saw that, uh, I kind of hope we make an adjustment on. I thought Coach Pendergrass waited too long to make adjustments in his defense. Uh, it was evident that the linebackers were playing too far off the line of scrimmage. Uh, the guys from uh, Western Michigan was beating us with the run, not the pass. And, um, I'm sure those things are straightened out. But anyway, it was wonderful seeing the guys back on the field. I'm so proud of these men of Troy to come through the things that they've been through. So fight on, men of Troy. And uh, we'll see you next week. Let's take it to the to Stanford. We don't want them to go home happy. We want them to go home sad. Okay, man, take care. Well, that's the way you want everybody to leave. You want everybody to leave <laughs> saying, you know what? They're the best team. You know, I used to say that to my team. Before the game, I said, guys, at the end of this game, you want them to come across the field to shake your hand and say, you know what? You guys are really good. You don't want them to come by, by and say, you know, you guys are lucky, man. That was just lucky. Uh, that, if that call wasn't done on that penalty, you'd have never beat us. 
So there's only one way to go out there, and that's to get it done. And I agree with you as far as two outstanding running backs. You can see the difference in Ron, Ronald Jones, how stronger he is as a back since he's gained a little bit of weight. He kicks through that uh, arm tackles, and it's always the yards you get after the hit, after you get through the line of scrimmage and who you run through. And I think they demonstrated that. How about Stephen Carr and that little move he made on his long touchdown run? And was I was I impressed with his speed? Those guys could have caught him. They had an angle, but no way in heck was he going to get caught. He's got He's living up to all the billing that we've been giving him as far as uh, the running backs at USC. I'd love to see a two-back running back set. I'd really like to see people try to stop both of those running backs who can catch the ball, too, on circle routes and different thing and flout circle, uh, uh, all kinds of seam routes. Oh, man, they could be really, really something when you have two running backs like that in the backfield. That way it would, well, really would uh, lighten up a lot on, on Darnold, too, as far as being a ball carrier. Uh, will we see that? I, I really don't know. But I, I agree with you on the running back situation. There's no problem with that. They've got solid running backs. I mean, when you look at what one back scored three touchdowns, another one scored two touchdowns, another rush was by Darnold for another touchdown. Hey, that, that, that's controlling the ball, but I don't know if you did it enough, and I think they have to. If I didn't, I didn't chart this game, and I normally do, but I would say that it was five to one runs to the right to the left. I think you've got to become a balanced type of offense and you've got to have the same success of running the football left as you do right. So, uh, if you charted that, Ryan, maybe you can look that up and see, but uh, most of the big plays I saw were runs to the right. Yeah, that's what I remember, but I didn't chart it either. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, but your opponent will. I want you to flat no. Yeah. Your opponent will, you know, they'll slant that way or do something to your, to your tendencies. So obviously USC knows that too. So you've got to be able to develop the running back, uh, running, uh, areas the both ways consistently so they can't, uh, take advantage of your, uh, tendencies. Big Nick from Cyprus wants to know, do you think the lack of defense in the first half had to do with Cam Smith not playing? I thought the second half, the defense played way better with Cam over Jordan Iacefa. Your thoughts, please. Yeah, I do. I really do. To, to not have your captain, to not have a guy that lines you up and takes the game seriously, uh, how can it not affect you? It's got to affect you. The confidence of the defense and somebody coming over and, and letting you know we're not playing up to our ability on or off the field, I think it's very important. Not that Jordan didn't do a good job. I think Jordan played up to his ability, but he had a tough time scraping and so on because he couldn't get to where he's supposed to be because everybody was getting blown off the football. So the linebackers couldn't get to where the tackles was, where they're supposed to make tackles. They were taking themselves out of the play, the defense. But I think, yeah, whenever you have an All-American candidate or a guy that's your leader, uh, yeah, it makes a difference. You, you, he's, he's like Sam, he's the Sam Darnold of the defense. In a way, you know, so, you know, uh, I think that made a big difference. I really do think it made a big difference to not have that type of guy, especially this is the type of team that he would shine on a run team. that was a power type of team. You got to have him in the lineup in the second half. I think that made a lot of difference along with the addition of a third lineman. Um, let's move on. So our buddy Brian in Birmingham wrote in, but Brian, buddy, way, way too long. Sorry, but, uh, He's tempering his expectations. He's not expecting a 14-0 season. Uh, he didn't like that it was on the Pac-12 network. Obviously, that's uh, we've kind of talked about that uh, quite a bit. And I think most of the other topics he had brought up, we, we've talked about Porter Augustin and the, the running backs and uh, the wide receivers and things like that. So, yeah, Brian, cut it down a little bit, and then we can read it. Um, Tarek, and this is the kind of question I like, Coach. Tarek says, what was with the sloppy snapping? Um Yes, the, there was a lot. If you watch, I rewatched the game and I watched the snapping, and uh, there was a lot of times that uh, Sam Darnold would catch the ball at his face mask, and then there was a lot of times Sam Darnold had to jump to catch the ball because it was over his head. And then the one time was kind of high and off to the side, and he ended up fumbling it, and then uh, I think Ronald Jones jumped on it and recovered it. But what do you think about that, Coach? On all my points, and I have 16 points, okay? Yes. That was the number one point. Ah, good, because, good job, Tark. 
No, it is. It is the number one point because your center is more or less the thing that starts the whole play on offense. If you can't get your snaps and he can't make his calls with the strong side or weak side is, hey, you're in trouble because your whole timing of your play comes off of the snap. Now, the quarterback's looking downfield and reading defenses and so on and watching movement when the ball snapped. Now, he has to watch where the ball's coming, and he jumped for a couple, couple were low. All this was happening, and I, I made that comment immediately. What the heck is going on? And how many times have you heard me say on this podcast, and you've heard me, Ryan, talk about when they do all these drills, when they do all these drills, the center is never snapping the ball. On seven on seven, running jet, and all of this. It's always a manager or somebody tossing the ball in the head of the quarterback, and it's perfect every single time. How many times have you heard me say, bring the centers up there. You got three or four of them. Rotate them down with the offensive line coach and bring them up there and put a defensive guy on their nose or right or left snap the ball and make it full speed. So he learns to snap the ball under full speed action. Then he has to block somebody or fill or pass block or whatever he has to do because you just can't all of a sudden do it. you got to practice it. We used to practice that. We used to see the Oki defense all the time. I used to take my biggest, strongest guy and put him on the center during seven on seven, and that guy had to snap the ball and block this guy on pass blocking because you've got to be able to learn to do that, especially if you're doing your running game, practicing with your backs and the handoffs. Well, let the guy come up there, put a couple of defensive down guys across from let him snap the ball and work on filling and pulling and doing whatever he has to do. Uh, it's, it's vital because if you can't start to play with the timing of that play, of the fake and the pass and the quick pass, and the quarterback has to be looking, where in the ball? I don't know where the ball is. you got to read the secondary. you got to do a lot of things. And now you have to worry about where the snap is. So that's just a suggestion. That's what I'd be working on, too. Um, Coach, we got uh, a text message, a couple of them from Clayton. He's the class of 2011 from Santa Clarita. I think we talked about most of his stuff. He just asked about the the snapping, which you which you addressed as your number one point. Uh, the defensive line and stuff getting pushed around. But thanks for that text message, um, uh, Clayton. He wants and he wants to know: Do you have enough bodies, big bodies, to stop Stanford? Um, I don't think the number of bodies are there. There's a lot of bodies on the bench. Uh, it's just how they play. Are they going to come in and bring like a jungle, jumbo package, I would think, Coach? Well, you know, Stanford right now believes that they can run at USC, okay? There's no question in their game planning that they're going to go big. Uh, they're going to have probably three tight ends in the game, a lot of the game, a couple of flankers, and also one, one toward Jack Jones' side for sure. Uh, they'll, have, they'll put a 6'5 guy out there. Uh, try to create the mismatches and uh, run the football, run their power game, do the things that they do, they run do, and then go into their uh, shotgun and then throw the football to the big tight ends too, which is part of their package. And uh, right now they're not too worried about USC's defense, okay? But they'll prepare for not just what they saw. They'll respect the intelligence of USC to say they won't run that against us. They will start to work on three down linemen. They will start to work on four down linemen. They will start to see different type of things that uh, uh, that uh, they expect change. The only thing, can USC make that change in three or four days of practice and then perform it? Uh, you know, you're playing two teams that are very similar back-to-back could have been a great opportunity for USC to do what they needed to do against Stanford, against Western Michigan, as far as getting better at the alignments and techniques that you're going to have to use. But now you don't have that time to do this week because you're not going to scrimmage it that much, I wouldn't think. So it's going to be hard to adjust to. So the games opened up. I don't know if you've seen this, ladies and gentlemen, but USC is a five-point favorite over Stanford. So uh, the guys in Vegas think the Trojans are a favorite at home. 
So we'll see what happens. That means they have confidence that USC will make the necessary adjustments, and they are who they are, to beat Stanford. Now, Stanford is the team to beat, okay? Uh, they're the team to beat as far as the team they haven't been able to beat. And uh, this is going to be a great challenge uh, uh, for USC. I really believe this. Uh, I thought the first, uh, uh, the second and third games could be really big challenges, and now I was very impressed with Notre Dame and how they played in this Wimbush. This new quarterback is really athletic, so I think that that's going to be a big challenge. Not that other games aren't going to be big challenges, okay? But uh, I think the schedule is going to be a little bit tougher than what I anticipated. All right. Uh, thanks for that text message question. Uh, here's a voicemail one. It'll be quick. I'll, I can probably do it and get your thoughts on it, Coach. Here we go. Hey, y'all. This is Jeremiah out Snake Lake. More questions for Double H. Could you please go over the whole red shirt thing again? I'm confused as hell. Uh, I know there's a lot to talk about this week, but people are going to wonder who's on red shirt and who's not going to, and then we don't need to get specific, but just if they played yesterday, does that mean they're out? They can't red shirt or is that why we held people back or are you allowed to play a certain amount of games or what, what the hell? What just. Uh, what, what's going on? I understand blue shirt. I just don't know when you're allowed a red shirt. All right, Double H. Thank you. That's, that's... Well, thank you. Um, now, the way I understand it now, and Ryan, tell me if I'm wrong, is I don't want to pass on any type of information the way things change all the time, is uh, you can, if you're injured in the first game or second game, you can be red shirt and you get a medical hardship, okay? And automatically, you get uh, a redshirt year. Uh, you can redshirt a freshman, junior, sophomore, and that uh, you've got four to play five. Okay, you've got you've got five years to play four. That's the way I should say it. Five years to play four. Now, some players get six because the NCAA grants them a medical hardship or a hardship type of of uh, scholarship. Now, how they figure that? Don't ask me. Sometimes they give it. Sometimes they don't. The big uh, offensive lineman, what's his name? Josh, uh, what was the big offensive lineman name last year that they didn't give it to? Uh, oh, Jordan, Sim- Jordan Simmons, yeah. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Couldn't understand that. He had two or three new- knee surgeries. NCAA felt, no, he didn't need another year. So, you know, it's inconsistency as far as depending on the NCAA to grant you another year. But the way I understand it is, the way I understand it is you have five to play four and uh if you get you can be you can bet your entire year or you can play one or two games i think it's two games and then you can register now ryan correct me if i'm wrong i do not want to pass anything on that's not correct yeah first of all jeremiah love the voicemail that's awesome thanks for the, the question and, and the fact that he understands the blue shirt that's like i get calculus but geometry kind of just bugs me a little bit yeah red shirt should be easier jeremiah um so the main thing is like what Harvey Hyde said. If you know, you have five years to play four. Basically, if you saw a freshman play yesterday, then they're not going to redshirt. So, and you saw Andrew Voorhees come into the game. He's not redshirting. Uh, we didn't see Austin Jackson, I believe. I don't think he came in on special teams. He could still redshirt. Um, what Harvey Hyde's talking about is play one or two games. If you play at all, you're not going to be redshirting. Except if you play, I think it's 25% of the games, I believe it is, or less. So if you play in three games, uh, in the first three, and there's some sort of injury, then that you would be allowed to, um, petition the NCAA and get a, uh, and get a redshirt year. And I think that would happen after the year. There's also the medical hardship thing that happens at the end where you don't find out till later on if you would get another year. Uh, something, you know, maybe you played one game. In the, you know, one play in the seventh game of the season. And, you know, then you could petition the NCAA for that. So those are all kind of exceptions. I wouldn't worry about that too much. So what you want to know is if a freshman came in and played, he's not going to redshirt, like, unless there's some, you know, crazy circumstance, injury, something like that. So, um, most likely any freshman you saw on the participation chart, uh, it will redshirt. And that's just kind of like the general rule. So, I mean, will not redshirt. They'll be, They'll be out there if they haven't played yet, and that's the kind of thing we'll watch. Like an Austin Jackson, I don't, I don't remember him playing on special teams. I haven't gone through the participation chart yet. Um, and 
I don't, you know, he did not come in the end of the game on the offensive line. Uh, Andrew Voorhees did. So he's, you know, he's likely the sixth man, um, since he was the first guy to come off the bench when Viani Talamival, uh, had a knee brace problem, came off the play. I think he came off for two plays. So that's when, uh, Andrew Voorhees went in. So that's, that's the basics of it. Yeah. And, uh, we try to explain it to you. And, uh, amazingly, sometimes, uh, and the NCAA will give you another year. I think, uh, I remember Brandon Hancock, I think got six or even seven years, because I don't know how he's got four bowl rings. So somehow he got something. Yeah. But he had so many surgeries and so on. So it's, uh, it's hard to interpret, to interpret it. And I don't really know. We should probably have somebody on from compliance to discuss it. I'm sure yeah. they would be able to tell us, but, but Ryan, I, I tell you, I, I don't know, and I and and I tell you, all I know one thing: get your best players on the field, okay? Yeah. If the receivers, don't worry about it. Get your best players on the field. I'm not quite sure if they're doing that yet. Uh, I think Green had a a game, but he looked to me like he's not a receiver, okay? Uh, it, it's hard to learn to be a receiver when all your life you've been something else, and uh, it's his turn. I know, obviously, everyone. Uh, wants him to play, but I think you've got to get your receivers and, and please utilize your tight ends. I talk about this every single year. It took them half the season last year to utilize their tight ends, spread the field, take advantage, hit the tight ends so they can't take away your outside receivers. Uh, they did involve their backs in the passing game, which they had got big plays on, which were great. Uh, the safeties played pretty soft for Western Michigan, they were afraid of the receivers, so they threw underneath a lot. But when you're soft, that leaves open the middle of the field and stuff, which are tied in with crossing routes and deep corner routes and stuff where you can force them to cover the entire field. And uh, I think you need more of that. I really do. And run the football. When your backs are averaging nine yards a carry, six yards a carry, make them stop it. And then when they stop it, what do you think that's going to do to your play action pass? They gotta, they gotta respect your play action pass then. So when you have something, take advantage of it. You can't run it enough. Okay. We got one more coach. And then, uh, if there's any more points on your chart, we'll, we'll talk about, but John Abrea said, I understand. And I'm sorry we're skipping a bunch of these. I feel bad. We just don't have time. Uh, I understand the need to have scripted plays and drives to start the game, but it was pretty clear Western Michigan couldn't stop. Rojo or any of the other running backs, three three and outs after that first drive was inexcusable play calling. Can you please shed some light on what it's like to coach the first game of the year and how easy or difficult it is to make adjustments during the first game versus later in the year? Thanks, John and Brea. Yeah, John, I, I agree with you. I think we were back to that identity thing. Who are we on the offensive side of the football with consistency and rhythm? And uh, that point uh, that we've talked about in the past, uh, I didn't see that. It was like 31 flavors for a while. And uh, uh, I don't think you have to do that. I think, you know, and another thing, there's no help for backside. I mean, when you look at it, you know, the counter sweep and different things, maybe they're saving all of that. Uh, where you go back to, you start one way and go back the other way and, the keep by the quarterback, you've got to hold the backside. You can't let them just continually flow down, flow down, flow down to the inside. That's why I like the two-back set a lot if you're not going to run uh, Sam Darnold. And I don't blame you for not running him, but you better be able to hold the defense and make him be play honest on you. You really do. So I think that was that was uh, something that I want to see the offense become who they are, do what they can do, and get into a rhythm. And uh, then on the uh, defensive side, I think they need to take advantage of their schemes. Uh, they've got to settle up. They've got to tackle. Uh, they've got to do a little bit, be a little bit more uh, uh, athletic in their secondary coverages, and uh, and uh, you know be able to improve on everything you're doing with their schemes. And so, an offensive blocking, uh, as a summary here, I, I thought that their pass blocking. Uh, I mean, they didn't pick up any blitzes whatsoever. They didn't adjust their pass-blocking schemes uh, to pick that up, protect Sam Darnold. He was flushed out of the pocket the entire time, a lot of times. And he looked for the big plays that he used to be able to find, and the receivers were uh, not spreading the field or coming back to him or doing what was necessary. So the receivers 
two in the same area a lot, which you can't do. I'm just throwing out, and I, I'm not watching game films, guys. I'm watching the same thing you're watching. So I'm just writing down notes as I go along in the game on things that I would be talking about in my staff meeting on Sunday. I'd say, guys, what about this? What about that? Uh, we got to do this. Uh, you know, all the different things that teams are going to see on us. And I thought that the punter did an outstanding job as far as punting the football, uh, kickoff coverage. I'd, I'd say I'd have some concern there as far as uh, the coverage that we worked on. I'd make sure I'd have defensive players on the kickoff coverage, not that I was able to go across and see who was on it. But it's difficult to put an offensive player on a kickoff coverage team if they did have them out there, but how much practice do you get tackling or punt coverage? So I'd make sure that they get the necessary type of live type of coverage that they need to have to react and, uh, when you're going against the number one special teams player in the uh, the Mid-American Conference. Uh, that, that home run they hit there just sort of almost broke the, the Trojans back when they tied the game 28-28. One last comment I'd like to make is for Jake Olson. I'm so happy for him to be able to get on the field and and snap uh, an extra point. But one thing I really want to give credit to is the class of Central Michigan. That team stood there, did not come across the line of scrimmage, even clapped, clapped when he when he did his extra point. I mean that is a classy act by Western Michigan. Really, a classy act. I don't know if I call them Central, but Western Michigan. And uh, they were getting beat, and, it's, and that's just classy to do. So, uh, Jake, Jake Olson, congratulations. Yeah, that was, uh, it was pretty amazing um, uh, what, what happened out there, being down on the field uh, afterwards. And, I, you know, I got to talk to Jake a little bit. We put up – we have a bunch of stories on Jake up on uscfootball.com. Um, and, I, you know, I'll share this quick one with you, Coach. So, post-game – Keely, uh, you know, Keely, you're our, our video reporter was talking to Jake one on one. And I get this random email from an ex girlfriend from literally like I haven't talked to in 13 years or something. She who has a son, a six year old son. She lives in Baton Rouge now was watching the game. Her son, uh, is going blind as well. Um, so and saw and was super inspired by it. And she had asked me, I, I literally like I hadn't heard from her in over a decade asked me if I could get an autograph or something from Jake. So I walk over to Jake after he's done and I had him on this podcast before. So if you go, go back, it was like in May of 2015, we had Jake on when he first was joining the USC football team. He was kind of talking about that and it was, it was a really great conversation. He was awesome. Um, and I just tell him like, Hey, random thing. He's like, Oh, that'd be great here. Let me. And so I, I videoed him like a 25 second message to little Noah in Baton Rouge and he was very, you know, giving inspirational thoughts and everything. And, uh, you know, he was as busy as you could be. Every TV station, radio station, all the way, where everyone was talking to him, family members, hugging him, kissing, you know, he was like, it was like he was on cloud nine, all the stuff. He was brought to the podium after the game and still took some time out to talk to this kid he'd never met and, you know, really made, uh, you know, was, it's probably going to affect this kid's life forever, you know, and really was inspirational. So that's just the kind of kid that Jake Olson is. So I just wanted to let people know that we have, I have the full story up on uscfootball.com if you want to check it out. That's great, buddy. That is absolutely fabulous. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Well, coach, shoo. I think we got through the first one. Um, thanks for all the questions and I'm sorry we couldn't get to all of them, but hopefully coach got, got to answer, give everyone a kind of general feel of what he thinks about the game, but great stuff, coach. Thank you. Thank you guys. And remember, uh, my, uh, answering of your questions are just my opinion and of course uh you have your opinions i just try to be always honest but you go to the same game i do or watch the same game i do and we both uh care a lot about the game of, of football we also care about the improvement and and the chances usc has as far as being a pac-12 champion and that is one thing that clay helton pointed out ryan and you remember that at the passing of quarterback club on Friday, uh, he pointed out that uh, one game at a time, and uh, every game is a big game, and uh, their goal is to win the Pac-12 championship. It certainly is. All right. Well, Coach Harvey Hyde, follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. 
Uh, make sure you check out sctickets.com if you need tickets for any of the upcoming games. We're actually going to have an extra segment, which we don't normally do. So we got Joe Duffy. Uh, he's the CEO of Offshore Insiders, and he's part of mybookie.ag. He's going to talk about USC's odds in the game against Stanford and the Heisman Trophy odds for Sam Darnold, where they impacted uh, not without throwing a touchdown pass uh, in the uh, opener against Western Michigan. So we'll be back in a minute talking to Joe Duffy. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. You know, ever since I started the Peristyle Podcast 10 years ago, people have been asking me for betting advice, and mostly if I think USC will be covering the point spread. Well, let me tell you this. Where you are betting is just as important as which side you are betting on. That's why I always tell people to go to mybookie.ag. MyBookie's been in business for years, and their rep is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses, so off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing, and they have the fastest payout. Seriously, just two business days. You know who's going to win, right? Lay down some cash, and you can win big today. I'd only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me, and they definitely have. That's why I'm telling you, make your way over to mybookie.ag because they pay. And they also have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze. So go now to mybookie.ag. They will match your deposit with a 100% bonus if you use the promo code PARASTYLE. So visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, and you get paid. We now return to the Parastyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Okay, we are back here on the Peristyle Podcast, and I'm pleased to welcome in Joe Duffy. So he is the CEO of OffshoreInsiders.com, and he's here on behalf of MyBookie.ag. And we wanted to talk about some of the, uh, you know, some of the betting lines around this USC football team. A couple different interesting aspects, uh, USC being, you know, the odds of making the, uh, college football playoff and Sam Darnold being one of the favorites for the Heisman Trophy. How was that impacted by the first game and all that kind of stuff? So we'll talk about that with Joe. What's up, Joe? How you doing? Oh, fantastic, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Uh, it's, so we get, well, I get a bunch of questions about the team and every once in a while people ask things about, you know, what the betting lines are and their favorite for this and how, all of that. Uh, maybe we could start with last week. Uh, we didn't get to have you on before USC played Western Michigan. It was a, uh, 27 or 28 point, um, uh, USC was a 27 or 28 point favorite. Uh, what I looked like, looked like before the game. Um, I do a Pac 12 podcast where I talked about, I just felt that that was a lot of points for the opener. So I took, uh, Western Michigan in the points. So it looked like I got that one right. But, um, any thoughts on that opening game about the lines and anything and how that ends up turning out? Yeah, you're right. As a general rule of thumb, uh, underdogs are pretty good in week one. I've actually found out that college football is a, momentum sport and it's one of the sports that i actually do bet big favorites more than any other sport but look the usc fans for a while they were right about whether or not they were going to win the game straight up i think right. they stopped worrying about the <laughs> the point spread pretty early but they obviously imposed their will at the end in western michigan uh you know somewhat rebuilt after losing of course one of their all-time great receivers but they held in for a while but yeah usc did uh fall well short of the number but you know who knows maybe they were in a look-ahead situation, that's one of the things that we handicappers like to look at at offshoreinsiders.com before placing our bets at mybookie.ag. Maybe it was a little bit of a look-ahead situation for USC because I hear they get a pretty big game this week. Yes, they do. I want to talk about that. Um, and I was curious, and I want to get you know what mybookie.ag's line is for this one because Stanford looked amazing in their opener uh, at Rice. I didn't think they were going to cover that one. Like They played Rice last year, did not cover Felt they wouldn't cover and they covered by, they just destroyed Rice in Australia. And they look really good. USC had some problems. Obviously Stanford's going to be a better team, uh, than Western Michigan coming into the, into the Coliseum. Um, maybe some people felt it might be a pick em or something like that, but it still yeah. looks like USC's a favorite there. Yeah. USC is a six and a half point favorite at mybookie.ag. I know when I compared the lines at some of the other offshore sports books in Vegas and some places they're seven. And it's, it's a very interesting um, line because, and this will happen a little bit more early in the year than it will late in the year, but the way the, the odds are, the first sports books in the world will release very low limits where you can usually bet only like $100 a game on the opening line and the first line available anywhere, uh, believe it or not, and I guess you'll be surprised based on what you just said, you thought it would be around a pick, but the first line anywhere 
was minus 10 for a USC. But the more widely available line where most of the sports books, when they opened up, it was minus four. So it wound up settling in the middle. And that's one of the things that, you know, I think some of the, uh, there's one Vegas sports book and one offshore sports book that like to release the lines early. I think as much for some marketing purposes, uh, so they can get some publicity, but they also like to get a feel of where the public's going to go. And, uh, you know, obviously initially when it opened up at minus 10, people bet on the underdog, but then when the more widely available line opened up at only uh, minus four, then all of a sudden people were betting the favorite. And right now it's it's settled in the middle, but the last time I checked at uh, mybookie.ag, a little bit before we went on the air, it was six and a half USC. Man, yeah, that to me, I would take those points all day long. I mean, I I think some of the like predictors, I think ESPN does like a predictor, and they have like Stanford has a sixty percent chance of winning. Um, you would think that it would be pretty close, or but for six and a half point, almost a touchdown, I think I would take I would take Stanford the points on that one. Yeah, and, uh, you know, look, it's a case where Stanford, obviously, everyone was worried about Christian McCaffrey losing them. It's tough to replace a guy of that talent unless you're Alabama or, you know, maybe Clemson. When you lose a superstar that good, it's tough to replace. But look, Bryce Love, his numbers were great last year, albeit in a limited, uh, you know, capacity, of course, when he's playing behind a Heisman Trophy candidate. But Bryce Love uh, looked very good in the game in Australia, um, ran for 180 yards. I know that USC fans, they're certainly ecstatic to see McCaffrey out as he had 970 all-purpose yards in three games to USC. But the fact that, you know, Bryce Love looks like that he may be for real, and of course he gets a much bigger test this week, but not good because I think that uh, you guys at USC are a little bit concerned, giving up 263 yards on the ground the Western Michigan, a team that at least in previous years has been known a little bit more for their passing game. I know that they, of course, lost their best wide receiver but uh, you know USC is going to have to be able to stop the run if they're going to cover this and it also looks like uh, Keller Crest is back from his injury of course he was a, a very good quarterback considered to be their starting quarterback for sure before the uh, injury but you know the fact that he looked very good after the injury is a good sign and I haven't made an official pick but I would have to agree with you that if anything, Stanford would seem to be the uh, good play plus the points. Yeah, I'm no, I'm no expert when it comes to this like you, but that, that was just my initial thought. Like, wow. Okay. That seems like a big number. Um, one last thing before I let you go, Joe, appreciate you coming on. Um, the, uh, the Heisman Trophy race. Uh, I know you guys can, uh, kind of weigh in on that. Uh, I think Sam Darnold was, you know, one of the favorites or the favorite at some yeah. point. He didn't throw a touchdown pass against Western Michigan. He ran for one. Has that changed or what, what's kind of gone on with the odds for the Heisman race? Yeah, the mybookie.ag, they'll usually update those odds on like Wednesday or Thursday. Of course, they want to reevaluate how the players did over the weekend and they're more concerned about getting the odds when the point spreads out there. And I think they like to look at those uh, media polls, you know, ESP. I think now just about every media site does some type of poll as to who's leading the Heisman race. Sam Darnold, you're correct. He was the prohibitive favorite at plus 400 in the preseason at mybookie.ag. And, you know, just to give you an idea, uh, Baker Mayfield was plus 800. Now, that's based on $100 per bet. Maybe some people uh, would understand a little bit more. Convert it to 4 to 1 in the case of Darnold. Uh, Clearly, he didn't help himself. Uh, 289 yards passing, two interceptions and zero touchdowns. And maybe the worst thing that USC fans want to hear is, if anything, probably the leader out of the gate would be Josh Rosen with uh, his phenomenal performance, uh, you know, scoring 35 points in the final 17 minutes. So I do think when the odds come out later this week, uh, Darnold will probably not be the favorite, but his odds aren't going to drop all that much. And really in handicapping the Heisman, it's just like handicapping the point spreads. Be careful about overreacting, but Clearly, uh, Darnold did not do himself any favors by throwing two interceptions. Yeah, and if if he drops some, I think if he has a big game against Stanford, that'll be. Uh, yeah. I mean, that that would change things. The last time he hadn't thrown a touchdown was his first start last year uh, at Utah, so that was a uh, kind of a big deal. But you know, the running game was working, so that's kind of what they went with. Yeah, no question about it. Against a Stanford team with a stout defense, if all of a sudden he throws for three hundred and thirty yards and a victory and throws for three or four touchdowns and no interceptions. You know, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, at the very least, even if, he, even if he is a favorite, he's not going to be quite as big of a favorite as he was to start the year. But it's not like he's going to drop to 
number four or five. And this is this is clearly a big game. What he does against Stanford, and of course, you know, later in the year, what October the twenty eighth against Washington, um, they're going to be much more of a statement game. So no need for to overreact as far as the, the Heisman Trophy odds are concerned. But then again, you know, it's 90% of the game is half mental and you got the burden of high expectations. I think USC fans are more worried about how he will just mentally bounce back from a so-so performance. But look, he, he got the win, so should be easy to shake off and much more of a statement game this week for him. Cool stuff. All right, Joe Duffy, he's the CEO of OffshoreInsiders.com. And here on behalf of MyBookie.ag. Uh, thanks, Joe. I think it'll be a fun kind of segment as we go through the season and see the odds are all the different games and uh, Sam Darnold can stay up there in the Heisman race. So thanks again for coming on. Now, thank you uh, very much, uh, Ryan. And yes, MyBookie.ag. A lot of my customers love that. Great, great sports book. And we will talk to you in one week's time. Sounds good, Joe. That's Joe Duffy. Check him out on OffshoreInsiders.com and MyBookie.ag. And uh, this is our show for today. So thanks so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.